At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For almost a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now on the Genius Recipe Tapes, we go behind the scenes with the geniuses themselves, and we get to hear from you. This week, I'm talking with Prithi Mystery, the twice James Beard-nominated chef, author, and speaker behind the late beloved restaurants Juhu Beach Club and Navi Kitchen in the East San Francisco Bay Area. Though, like most of us, they've recently been spending more time tackling new projects, like getting into farming and popping up on a kid's cooking show that you might have heard about. Michelle Obama's Waffles and Mochi, which launches on March 16th. I haven't been so excited about a TV show since ever, never, ever. Nope. This is it. So I called Prithi to talk about their tikka masala macaroni and cheese from Navi Kitchen, or tikka mac for short. It's tomato tinged, warmly spiced, and most shockingly, incredibly creamy. And it stays incredibly creamy, even without the fuss of making a bechamel, a step that I thought was crucial to the most reliable sturdy cheese sauces. There's more on how to make it, what's going on in the recipe, and why it is so big batch friendly, freezer friendly, and just all around really handy for making right now. All of that's in the column and video on Food52 today. But here in the podcast, we get even more behind the scenes. Where Prithi's idea for Tikamak came from, what happens when other people start profiting off of your work without giving credit where it's due, and what, if anything, we can do about it. We'll also hear from some of our listeners on some of the recipe creators that they think more of us need to know about. But first, here's Prithi on the two most memorable, very different styles of mac and cheese in their life, the mom way and the one from when they met their wife, Anne, in the 90s. I have literally been called a monster for what I do to macaroni and cheese by other food people. And and Anne won't have any of it. So like I'll when I make a box of it, which is like enough for two people to share, um, at least for us tiny women that we are, I'll dump hers into a bowl. And then with the rest of it, I put it back on the heat. I add ketchup, Tabasco and cracked black pepper. And I mix it all. And then I put it in the bowl. So I think it's the ketchup and Tabasco that really like makes people freak out. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you're kind of connecting the version that you made at Navi with the box mac and cheese? Cause that's like, are you getting it like, a couple steps closer to it with the tomato and spice? I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess in a way, yeah. I mean, it is it on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Those two things do kind of coexist for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, um, I had another inspiration for the mac and mm. cheese, the tikka mac, which was also that 
My mom didn't cook that many non-Indian things, but mac and cheese was definitely one of them. Um, and one thing that we did at Navi when we made the tikka masala mac was um, in, in homage was that, um, I don't know, I mean, she must have had some recipe, like most of the non-Indian dishes she made, she, it was some recipe from the newspaper or something. I mean, this was like the 80s. Um, and um, so it had little squares of uh, bread, little triangles of bread, with the crust cut off that she would push in around the edges of the Pyrex. And it was so yummy because the, you'd always want one, like one or two of them because the top would get all like toasty crispy. But then that spot where the cheese hits the bread, that's like melted cheese. And then underneath it, it would get kind of gooey. It was just like super yummy. So, you know, we made ours in these sort of like oval dishes. And so we, we made um, like cumin breadcrumb cubes uh, bread cubes. And we put like three or four of them like down the center. So you'd get that same wow. kind of yummy. I, you know, at Juhu, I was like, we will never do a chicken tikka masala like that. We're not that kind of restaurant. Um, we make food that like real Indian people eat. Um, not what's it in, you know, made up in restaurants that is also delicious. I'm not, you know, knocking it. I just wasn't my bag. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the curries that we had in the, you know, were like our chicken curries were like whole, chicken on the bone with like, you know, slowly braised with chunks of onions and tomatoes and peppers and fenugreek and all this stuff. Um, which is how, you know, we would eat it at home. Um, but we did have a kid's menu. I can't totally take credit for the idea. Mm -hmm. It was my wife's idea that I brought it to fruition. Um, and you know, basically she was like, you know, we, we lived in the neighborhood that we opened our restaurant in and, you know, she very quickly noticed because we'd been living in San Francisco and South on market, which was like, there's no children anywhere. <laughs> um, it's like a land of grown ups who act like children. <laughs> and so it just seemed important that we didn't want to like knock those people out of the running because their kids are like, it's too mm-hmm. spicy. I don't want to go there. Um, and so we created this kid's menu and we found a plastic, uh, Tiffin, um, creator. It was, they were super cute. If you Google it, they're like, they were like red and yellow and pink and orange, all the little compartments, and it was plastic, so it was like mm-hmm. kid friendly and not the stainless steel. Um, and they got a salad, and then they got their choice of rice or fries with no mm-hmm. spice on them, and then uh, either butter chicken or grilled cheese. And so we had this butter chicken sauce that we would make for the kids. Um, and whenever we would make like a big batch and kind of like portion it out, um, and but whenever I'd make it, I was like this would be really good with mac and cheese. Cause it just had this creamy, like, yeah, probably like the craft macaroni with the Tabasco <laughs> and ketchup. I was like, connecting all the dots. <laughs> Wait. Oh yeah. So you, you did that before the Navi kitchen version of mac and cheese. Yeah. I mean, since the late nineties, it's been like a, you know, emergency food staple in our lives. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's what happens when Anne and Prithi make macaroni and cheese. We make it, we take Anne's out, I put ketchup and Tabasco in, like, Tikka Mac wasn't really what Juhu was about, um, but Nubby, the concept was a little bit more like we had Indian pizza, and we had Indian-inspired breakfast sandwiches, and, um, you know, we had a full, uh, a f- the full Indian, which was like a Indian version of the, um, full English breakfast, um, on our brunch menu and stuff like that. So, um, it was a little bit more like playful sort of like Indian flavors with more like American 
foods. So Navi Kitchen, one of our things there was um, giving back to the community, which was something that we started at Juhu with uh, Black Doll for Black Lives Matter. And then we had gone on to call it Solidarity Soup. And we ended up supporting a lot of different causes, everything from like uh, Standing Rock to, um, you know, folks that were affected by wildfires. Uh, and so when we opened Nubby, we wanted to kind of extend that um, farther. And so we actually had three menu items that all um, had a dollar go to a different organization. And Destiny Arts, dun, 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 oh, look, I just happen to have their water bottle right here. It's my favorite. <laughs> As you can see, it's gotten banged up a lot, and I still use it. Um, mm-hmm. So Destiny Arts got really lucky because they were the ones for the tikka masala mac, and it was just funny because the other two, it's not that the other two dishes, there was one was, another one was uh, Black Lives Matter, and then another one was Planting Justice, which is an organization that teaches uh, folks in San Quentin that were formerly incarcerated uh, farming skills. Um, and they do CSAs mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it's not that people didn't like the two dishes that went with those, but the tikka mac was so popular <laughs> that Destiny kind of like scored in this big way. Um, you know, like every quarter when we kind of add it up and go, okay, let's send this check to um, the organization. And then this recipe kind of took on a life of its own after after you launched it and connected it with Destiny Arts. Like it was in Julia Tertian's. Feed the yes. resistance. Like, do you, do you know when you realized you had a serious hit recipe <laughs> on your hand? I don't know when other people made, started making their own versions and saying that they invented it, <laughs> or not invented it, but like you know, all of a sudden there's like other people doing this, like Tikka Mac or whatever, and I'm like, oh, okay. The moment it would became a thing. <laughs> Got um, it. Which has been true for a lot of things that I feel like I've done, where it's like, oh, I guess that's just a thing now. Oh, that that's so frustrating because do you do you feel some amount of pride, but also rage in those moments? I think, you know, I, it used to bother me a lot more. And uh, there's this uh, there's this Instagram statement from two chains that I keep on my phone and look at sometimes. And I, I, I won't get it exactly right. But to paraphrase it, it says something like if you're like creative and innovative people are going to use your work as inspiration and you just need to be okay with that Mm -hmm. and so you know I mean I can stomp around and say like what I invented the dosa waffle I did all the research I googled everything no one else was doing it in a restaurant before me and blah 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 blah. and it's like you know what that's what's gonna happen and the, the best part for me is like I'm full of ideas. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's not like, like, okay, great. I'm glad someone else is doing that. I'm, I'm going to keep coming up with new things because I'm constantly inspired by my own experience and things that I see in the world. And so, you know, if that, I'll just keep doing me. Hey, are you enjoying this interview? If so, head right on over to the Genius Recipe Tapes and hit subscribe so you don't miss out on more like it. In the second half of this episode, we'll hear how Prithi continues to create joyfully despite or perhaps in spite of all the copycats. Stay tuned. 
You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hard-working hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hard-working hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. There's, I mean, I think there's two things that one is like, uh, you know, whatever, no idea is, you know, I mean, some people might actually make versions of their own that are better. Like, it's not to say that, like, just because I had the idea, like, you know, whatever is an idea. Um, you know, I personally am like a weirdo in the way that like, I don't want to like, I want to be like really clear about what I'm doing and like the integrity of things is really important to me or just giving credit. You know what I mean? Like I have no problem just being like, I, this was, you know, I saw this and was inspired by it and that's why I made this. Um, so, you know, like I have a grilled cheese recipe coming up, um, in a magazine soon. And one of my inspirations was, um, the cook and her farmer in Oakland, um, because she makes this, like, she calls it best damn grilled cheese and it's like slow grilled cheese. Like she puts a weight on it and it's just slowly. And so, you know, I have no problem mm-hmm. just being like, that's one of my inspirations. <laughs> like I can say like that technique, I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I mean, I made a totally different sandwich, but it was like, Oh, I like that technique. And just saying like, to me, I feel like that's, to me, it's more like, it feels the only part that's disrespectful is like, okay, but if I was like, you know, whatever, all the things, like if I was more famous, if I was a man, if I was, you know, if I was white, like if I was cisgender, you know, whatever, all the things, would somebody, like if I was Thomas Keller, wouldn't they be like, this was inspired by Thomas Keller. But so, so there's that little piece that feels kind of Mm -hmm. disrespectful because it's basically saying like, we're going to take this idea from you, but we don't feel like you're important enough for us to bother mentioning. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think is the best way to give credit on a menu? Like, is it, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing in a magazine article where you can have a little bit of space to explain your influences, but like, how do you like to credit? On I don't menus? know. I mean, that's a really good question. I'm not sure how you go about it on a menu. Um, like, I don't know. I, I don't feel, I feel like some people have some idea that they need to be the expert on everything. Um, and that they somehow can't mm-hmm. like share the, you know, community that we all essentially are in. Like we're all inspired by something. You think about like a kati roll in India. Um, most likely some Indian person saw a burrito <laughs> And was like, <laughs> yeah, let's take this paratha and put some chicken and pickled onions and whatever in it, you know, whatever. And it's like, we're all, you know, whatever. We all know, like, noodles came from China. Um, there are noodles in the 
so many different countries. Um, so, I mean, on that level, I think it's like, we're all sort of just like sponges. Um, and, and that level mm -hmm. of inspiration, I don't think anyone needs to, you know, delineate. Um, but I think if there's something very mm -hmm. direct, then I think it's worth noting. And, 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 and it's not lost on me as mm -hmm. a queer gender non-conforming brown woman <laughs> that my contributions often get overlooked in the realm of like, this is now just a thing. And there wasn't anyone who mm -hmm. like did it first or invented it or came up with this idea or concept or vision. Um, so, you know, I can't, I can't help but not have a little bit of like, Hmm, feel like that's got a little something to do with it. Like mm -hmm. people are like, Oh, that's a great idea. But you know, we don't want to give you credit. Well, I hope that's at least starting to change. I mean, I feel like on the surface, I think on the surface, you know, yeah. but like, I mean, I, then I just blow it off in that two chains way where I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to keep coming up with ideas. You know, like the dosa waffle, for example, like I literally was in the restaurant um, supply store and I was looking at the crepe griddles because I wanted to do a dosa for brunch. And like my eyes just like moved over to the waffle makers next to it. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, that's all. And then I like borrowed a friend of mine's <laughs> waffle maker and tried it out. And it was like, yeah, this actually is kind of good. <laughs> and, you know, then I Googled it to see if somebody else had done it and all those things. And it's like, OK, let's do this. Um. So, you know, I'm not concerned. I don't know. I, I, I'm completely with you. I mean, I've been basically the better part of my food career has been just like sharing mm -hmm. other people's recipes and giving them credit and talking about their techniques. That's mm -hmm. like, that's kind of the whole thing I do. Um, so I'm absolutely with you that there's no, you, you, there's nothing yeah. to lose in crediting your inspirations um, and, and giving nods to people. And I, I, I just hadn't thought about it a ton in terms of, how you do that on a menu and what the experience is like of seeing a dish kind of like pass mm -hmm. around restaurant menus because I'm more on the home cooking side of it. But like, how hard would it be for someone to say, this is um, just call it kind of in that, that way that people will say like, Oh, this is right. mom's mac and cheese. Like this is Prithi's mac and cheese. Yeah. Okay. So since the pandemic, you've really, it sounds like shifted over from not just cooking all the time, but also farming a lot too. Yeah. Has that changed how you think about the food you're cooking and eating? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it hasn't totally changed it because I feel like I was always very, uh, you know, and, and as a chef, I've always been very involved with small local farmers. You know, there's a, there's a magic that is kind of satisfying in the same way of cooking food. It, it's not as instant gratification. <laughs> you know, put the pizza mm -hmm. in the oven, six minutes later, dinner. Um <laughs> <laughs> and the business of farming, I think those are things that I've really started thinking more about. How sort of broken the industrial farming system in the United States is, um, how hard it is for small farmers, independent farmers, to really make a go of it, um, especially without inherited wealth. Mm -hmm. Um so, you know, and then the inherent racism in how much land was taken away from so many black and indigenous people. Um, 
I think about all of those things, like, well, how is it viable? How is it a viable business? Um, or should it even be a business? Should it be a uh, community-driven effort? Um, one of the things that I kind of stumbled across during the pandemic was the idea that it seems to me that both growing food and cooking food both became really problematic the moment they went from being a act that people did to nourish themselves and their community and made it into a business that required profit. Something or someone, whether it's people, the environment, the consumer, the worker, the earth, something gets exploited. Mm -hmm. So one thing that's been challenging for me is, and, and the challenge to myself is sort of like, you know, I when I closed my restaurants, my big challenge was like, how does somebody actually do this and make it sustainable? Like make it sustainable, not just like the, you know, beautiful, sustainably grass fed beef, but like make it sustainable for the humans who are doing this every day, that everyone who works here gets paid a living wage, that everyone has sick pay and, you know, vacation time and, you know, enough training and access to the resources they need and childcare and all these things that are so important. And and now I kind of feel the same way about the farming thing. I'm like, how does somebody do this un unless people have some outside generational wealth mm -hmm. um, that they've built um, that it, it is kind of impossible. So you've been sort of starting to work together with some people who are trying to come up with a solution along these lines, right? Do you want to talk a little bit about the project you're starting to work on with Earthseed? Yeah, so uh, our relationship and what we're, we're trying to do is still a little bit amoeba-like, um, <laughs> mainly because, so Earthseed uh, Permaculture Center is um, a cooperative started by Pandora Thomas, and uh, her and I have been talking about me sort of coming in and helping build the culinary side of the program. Um, the reason it's still kind of amoeba-like is because um, she has had the last month and a half to raise like $2.6 million to buy this farm up here in Sonoma County, um, which is kind of insane and amazing. Um, and I believe she's mm -hmm. done it or about to do it. She is building this. So it, uh, Earthseed Permaculture Center would be it, at this farm in Sonoma, um, in West County, Sonoma. Um, and it would be a Afro-Indigenous led and owned collective. So yeah, it's a pretty exciting project. It's um, mm -hmm. just kind of getting off its feet. But I think in the next like three to six months, we'll have, you know, especially as we go into the spring and summer and they start getting like actually on the land and working, um, it's going to really blossom into something pretty beautiful. And now, here are the recipe creators that our listeners think that more people should know about. Hi, my name is Dominique Evans. I'm from Washington, D.C. And the recipe developer I've been loving lately is Noreen Wasti. She is a recipe developer, and her most recent project is collaborating with Brightland. Um, they are a women-owned vinegar and oil company. They are amazing, and so is she. Her recipes are really bright and vibrant. I love them because they're extremely pantry friendly. Um, she uses a lot of colors of the rainbow in her dishes, and they're definitely beautiful to look at, but they're even more delicious to try. I love her beans on toast recipe, and she has a delicious doll recipe with a garlic oil that I just love. Hi, I'm Anita Shepard from Anita's Yogurt. 
Someone whose recipes I admire is Joan L. Nash, who is sadly no longer with us, but was the food editor for Essence magazine in the 80s and part of the 90s. I came across one of her books in a used bookstore and it totally caught my attention because there were so many vegetarian recipes in it. Like there's a cabbage roll recipe where you stuff the cabbage with toasted sunflower seeds and and veggies and like a biscuit recipe where it incorporates um, sweet potato puree. And I just love that she wanted to highlight how soul food and traditional African-American cooking is nutrient dense and it's not heavy and greasy. It's feel good, good for you food. Hi, my name is Emily Hanhan and I live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm also the research associate with Genius Recipes. A writer, food stylist, and recipe developer that I adore is Jen De La Vega. I also feel lucky to call Jen a friend of mine. Not only does she have brilliant tips on building a charcuterie board for one, 10, or 100 people, but Jen has also shared the techniques and recipes and juicy gossip culture of Filipino lumpia. Jen is a chili genius, a fire master, an egg connoisseur, and secretly an undercover brilliant baker. Jen mixes her Filipino-American heritage and endless desire to learn and her offbeat personality into the kind of food that I cannot wait to make and eat. Thanks for listening. Our show is put together by Coral Lee, Emily Hanhan, and me, Kristen McGlory. If you're sitting on a genius recipe, especially from someone who isn't getting as much visibility as they should, I would always love to hear from you at genius at food52.com. And if you like the Genius Recipe tapes, do take a sec to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Talk to you soon.